Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 44 of the Eyes Free Sports Podcast. As usual, my name is Greg Lindbergh. Here on episode 44, we are previewing the Tokyo Paralympic Games uh, from a blindness and visually impaired perspective. And uh, so our first segment features a chat with a member of the International Blind Sports Federation uh, with some really interesting insight into several of the blind and visually impaired athletes and uh, teams competing in this year's Paralympics. And then in the second segment, we get into just a few of the athletes we've had here on the podcast uh, who are competing in the Paralympic Games in addition to some interesting notes about uh, audio description, accessibility, and just some cool little things uh, that are new this year for the Paralympic Games. So let's dive right on into episode 44. All right, joining me on this segment of the podcast is Lucy Domini, and Lucy is the Media and Communications Manager for the International Blind Sports Federation. Lucy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Greg. It's great to be here. Absolutely. Very excited about this uh, with the Paralympic Games on the horizon here. Uh, a lot of great stuff to, to chat about. Yeah, definitely. So first off, Lucy, uh, let's just talk about uh, the International Blind Sports Federation, what exactly it is, and just kind of the sports that you guys uh, oversee. Sure. So um, the International Blind Sports uh, Federation is the world's largest organization for the development and governance of visual impairment sports. Um, we were established in the 1980s. Um, so we're celebrating our 40th anniversary this year. We were established in 1981. And basically we have two roles, the main of which is the governance of three Paralympic sports of goalball, judo and blind football or football five-a-side as it's known at the Paralympics. And we also are the International Federation for a series of mm -hmm. other sports that aren't on the Paralympic program. So mm -hmm. sports like um, showdown, powerlifting, um, chess um, is another interesting one. So mm -hmm. we have um, eight or nine sports in total that we're the International Federation for. And we organize competitions. We develop the rules. Um, we have members all around the world in different countries who obviously develop their own athletes. Um, and then we sort of support them with the development of the sports in their countries. And then the main um, other role that we have is as a advocate for athletes with visual impairments. Um, so we are a member of the International Paralympic Committee. Um, as a founding member, we were a founding member of the Paralympic movement um, back in, again, the 1980s. And as part of that role, we try to ensure that there are enough medal events on the program for athletes with visual impairments, that the sports um, are representing all of the different impairment groups as much as possible. Um, we also help games organizers and competition organizers with accessibility in terms of venues um, and transport. So we have quite, um, you know, a broad, a broad role um, and quite a complex role as well. But we're a small organization, mostly made up of volunteers from around the world. Like any good parasport organization, we're formed of, of volunteers mainly. We're based in, in Germany, um, but we have people, we have staff and volunteers um, all around the world, like I say. And we're all very, very passionate about the development um, of 
uh, sports for athletes with visual impairments. Right. Very interesting. So the the Paralympic Games obviously were delayed uh, by a year due to COVID. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the Tokyo Paralympic Games will be held uh, August 24th through September 5th this year. And I'm curious, does your organization actually have, you know, individuals physically attending the Paralympics? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in normal times, um, we would send our whole board um, and um, a couple of other staff members and obviously representatives of Football 5, Goalball and Judo. Um, however, this time we've obviously had to reduce the numbers a little bit. So we've, we're sending obviously the officials and the referees and the international technical official, officials for uh, the three sports. Um, and also there'll be, our chief executive will be there. Um, I will be in Tokyo. Um, and we'll also have some volunteers covering um, media and social media. Oh, nice. Very cool. Mm. And hey, that's that's awesome. You do get to attend yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is good. Yeah. So let's dive into some of the specific sports, uh, you know, for blind and visually impaired athletes in the Paralympics. Sure. And uh, goalball, you know, is arguably the most popular, most well-known sport for the blind and visually impaired. And uh, if you want to just give an overview of the the schedule uh, for the men's and women's uh, events uh, coming up. Yeah, sure. So as you say, Goalball um, has both a men's and women's medal event. Um, it stretches, the competition itself stretches more or less the whole period of the game. So it starts on the 25th, the day after the opening ceremony, and the finals will be held on the 3rd um, of September, which is the day before the closing. Um, there are a series of group games, so it's 10 men's and 10 women's teams split into uh, two groups, five of each. Um, and uh, on the first day, we have a, a really great um, opening clash between Brazil and Lithuania in Group A in the men's competition. Um, so Lithuania are the defending Paralympic champions. Um, hmm. and Brazil are the bronze medalists, but they are the world champions as well. So it's the Paralympic champions versus the world champions. The first game wow. of the games um, in, in Group A at nine o'clock in the morning, Japan time. Um, so that's going to be a fantastic clash, I think. Brazil have really gone from strength to strength since Rio, since hosting the games. Lithuania have had a little bit of a, a downward kind of, um, a downward turn in the middle of the cycle. So at the World Championships in 2018, for example, they, I don't think they medaled actually in the end, um, but then they came back after that in the, the kind of the last two years. Um, they've, they've sort of come back up again to their best. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens in that first group game. I think it will really give us a good idea um, as to, you know, what the teams, what kind of shape the teams teams are in, because obviously everybody's going into Tokyo with the same, with the same disadvantage in the sense that they haven't been able to compete so much in the last 18 months. So sure. nobody really knows what, what the other team's form is. Um, so, those kind of opening day group games will be a really good indication of, of how people have used the last 18 months um, and whether they've been able to kind of hold their form or not. Interesting. Mm. 
and then in the women's, um, we have uh, the first game for the hosts, Japan, as well. Um, they will take on Paralympic champions Turkey in the kind of middle session. So on each of the group games, on each of the day of the group games, there's three sessions from nine until 11.45, two games, uh, 1.15 until four, two games, and then 5.30 until 9.45, three games in the evening. So in the middle session of the day, um, at around uh, three o'clock, we will have Turkey v Japan. Japan are actually historically very good in the women's competition at the Paralympics. Um, they won gold in, in London in 2012. So not so long ago, really, in Paralympic terms, two editions ago. Um, and they will play, yeah, Turkey, the Paralympic champions from 2016, who actually won Paralympic gold on their Paralympic debut last time out. Um, so it'll be really, really interesting to see how those two two teams, um, what kind of shape those two teams are in as well. Right. Very cool. Um, and then, sure. Sorry. No, I was just going to say there's another um, another really good game um, in the women's on uh, on the same day, on the opening day, the last game. Um, Brazil v. the USA. So uh, the Brazilian women um, have really started to um to show their um to, to show their improvements in the last few years they won their first medal at the world championships in 2018 um and then they have also won you know various other international competitions um and then obviously you've got the usa who are um both the men's and the women's team but as we're talking about the women here we'll focus on those um they are historically very good at the paralympics the usa is the most decorated women's team at the Paralympic Games. Um, and they have a very, very strong squad that they're sending again. Um, so Brazil are going to, you know, in the hunt for their first Paralympic medal. And then you've got the USA who are who are searching for their for their latest Paralympic medal, basically. They won bronze in 2016. Um, and they are the Paralympic champions from 2008. Um, so they'll be, I'm sure, looking to get back to the top of the podium in Tokyo. Exactly. Definitely some very interesting and intriguing storylines mm. for, for both the men and the women. Yeah, definitely. And then just for those who aren't quite as familiar with goalball, if you could just give a very brief overview of, of the sport and how it works. Sure. So how I always describe goalball is the best sport that you've probably never heard of. Um, so it's a fantastic game um, of skill and speed and tactics. Um, the, the main aim of the game is to basically get the ball into the other, into your opponent's goal. So the court is 18 by nine meters in size and the goals span the full nine meter width of the court. And you have three players on every team, um, six in total with substitutions. Um, and you basically play the game by throwing the ball underarm um, or through or through your legs um, at the opposing team, and the opposing team have to block the ball, but the ball has to stay below a certain level. So it can't, you know, you can't throw the ball overarm. Um, you you have to keep the the ball close to the ground. It has to bounce once in your half. And then once in the opposition's half for it to be a legal throw. 
So therefore, the defenders, when they're trying to save, they will throw themselves dramatically across the court to um, stop the ball from going in the goal. And the kicker is that the ball weighs 1.25 kilograms. So it's heavy. And when it hurt, when it hits you, it hurts. Um, and at the Paralympics, the ball has been measured traveling at, at 60 kilometers an hour. So if you can imagine having to throw yourself in the path of a 1.25 kilogram object traveling at 60 kilometers an hour, um, you get an idea as to how kind of tough you have to be to play goalball. All of the athletes wear eye shades. Um, so they, they completely, you know, they have completely no vision at all. Um, so basically you are throwing yourself in front of a ball and trying to throw the ball to score a goal without being able to see anything at all. Um, the ball has, uh, bells inside it, um, which the athletes have to listen for so that they can determine the position of the ball on the court. There's a huge amount of, um, tactical play that goes on. So you may have an athlete who has the ball in their possession, ready to throw, and then their, one of their three teammates will then will run forward to make it sound like the, they have the ball and they're going to throw it on one side. And then the athlete who actually has the ball then does the throw. So they're trying to trick um, the defenders on the other team. Um, but because there's only three players, all players have to be quite good at both attacking and defending. Um, but you do have specialist players who are who are better at throwing the ball and scoring and who are also better defensively. Um, but yeah, goal is an absolutely brilliant sport. You have to be completely silent in the venue. You can't make any noise because the players have to be able to hear the ball. But as soon as the goal goes in, everybody always erupts, you know, in in raptures of excitement because it, it's it's such a fantastic game and it's so interesting to watch absolutely yeah and i unfortunately have never had a chance to try it myself but you know many individuals i know who've played say it's it's such a grueling sport you know falling on that that court and mm. the whole environment but you know like you said it's so exciting and yeah. so thrilling yeah it, it's a terrifying sport to play when I've tried it myself and um, yeah, it is terrifying. Just the idea of throwing yourself on the court um, and let alone being hit by the ball. Um, you know, I, I don't know how, how they do it. I really don't. Absolutely. Yep. All right. So let's move on to five aside football uh, or soccer, I guess you could call it, you know, here in the U S what have you. Mm -hmm. um, so I know this, I believe this sport uh, entered the Paralympics in 2004 Correct. Uh, the first year it was played in the Paralympics. Mm -hmm. And uh, so like goalball, let's go through the, the schedule and then kind of preview the matchups uh, for five-a-side football. Sure. Um, so football five is eight men's teams. There's only men's competition in the Paralympics currently. Um, and therefore the competition is shorter than goalball. So it starts on the 29th of August. Um, there's three days of competition, group play, um, two groups. Then there's a break on the 1st. Um, on the 2nd of September, then you have the um, knockout stages. And then you have another day off. And then on the 4th of September, the day before the closing, 
you have the uh, the medal games, the the final and the bronze medal match. Once again, um, it starts at nine o'clock, like goalball, and runs in three sessions throughout the day for the group stages. Um, so nine till one, and then four thirty until six, and seven thirty until nine. Um, in the very first game, um, you've got. Well, the first two games actually are really interesting. So you've got Japan versus France um, in the first Group A game. Uh, Japan are obviously the hosts. Um, they, as you know, as a traditional, they have a slot for the Paralympics because they're the hosts. Um, but unlike a lot of um, a lot of what ha- what tends to happen in a lot of sports, is you know the hosts take up the spot and they might not necessarily be very good. Um, the Japanese have really, really been focusing on developing their blind football um, since they were awarded um, the Paralympics back in 2013, I think it was. Um, so they've really, really come on recently. Um, they're definitely not to be discounted. And obviously with the home advantage as well, um, they are very likely to threaten for the podium. Um, and they're playing France in their first game. Um, France have... Um, a bit like Lithuania in goalball, they kind of had a bit of a um, bit of a downward turn in the middle of the cycle, um, and they didn't look like they were actually going to qualify, um, which would have been a real a real surprise. But they came back and they qualified at the European Championships in 2019. They, I think, finished in in first or second. So they are, and they've rebuilt their entire program in the last three years they had a really really bad time at the world championships in 2018 um they were um i think they finished 16th out of 17 teams so they really went back to france and were like okay we really need to you know focus on our team now and they've um started from the ground up and they've they've brought in some new players um and they also have you know their their kind of veterans who play um who have played for them for a long time. So they've got a really good mix of, of youth and experience, I think, the French side. Hmm. So it'll be really good, really interesting to see how they, they fare against Japan. And then in the second uh, Group A game on the 29th, the opening day, you have Brazil v China. Now, Brazil are, have won every single Paralympics um, since Athens 2004. Um, they oh, are, wow. yeah, they are undefeated at the Paralympic Games. Um, they're, you know, as you would expect for Brazil, they're very good at football. Um, and they have invested a huge amount in in their team, not just because of Rio, uh, the last Paralympics in 2016, but just because they are such a, a, a mad footballing country or soccer country. So they really are the favourites heading into this, this competition. But China have a kind of like the nearly men of... Um, Paralympic um, football five-a-side. Um, so they their record is they have one medal from when they made their debut in 2008. Um, they always consistently win or finish on the podium at, at Asian Championships. Um, and they are always, always up there as well at uh, World Championships. But not a huge amount is known about them, um, just... Um, just you know, in Chinese athletes in general. Um, so, 
But from what we know, you know, from what we've seen at various different competitions in the past, we know that China will be definitely um, a podium threat at the Paralympics this time around. And then you've got uh, Group B, Argentina versus Morocco at 4.30. Argentina, um, much like Brazil, are a uh, crazy, passionate football country. And the rivalry between um, Argentina and Brazil is as strong as it is in the sighted football. So Argentina want to be back challenging for the podium again this time around. They finished in third place. So they took bronze in 2016. um, And they also took bronze at 2008 and silver in 2004. So they've never won a gold, um, but they have they have beaten Brazil in the past. Um, so that will be really interesting to see how they get on. Uh, Morocco are the African champions. Um, so again, there'll be, you know, a, a really um, a really strong medal threat. Um, and then in the last game of the, the day on the Sunday, you've got Spain uh, against Thailand. Now Spain um, invented blind football in the 1920s. Um, and have more or less been playing it ever since. And they, their international record is is crazy good. They, you know, they they always consistently finish on the podium at European Championships. They hosted the World Championships in 2018 and just missed out on the podium. They, you know, they they just have a very good record at the international level. Um, but Thailand could be a little bit of a fly in the ointment for them. So Thailand. Um, have basically taken the place of Iran, who originally qualified in the Asian spot, um, but decided against sending a team. So Thailand, as they were then the next um, country not qualified from the Asian championships, um, they took the spot. So back in um, in June, there was a, a World Grand Prix football, blind football World Grand Prix in Japan. Um, and Thailand came out and they beat Spain which was totally unexpected. So that really could go either way, that Spain v Thailand match. And I would say generally overall, all of the teams, the blind football teams have um, a really strong shot on the podium. It's a really difficult one to call blind football. Hmm. Wow, very interesting. And then uh, let's just do a little overview of blind football uh, as well in terms Mm. of the adaptations. I know there's some very unique adaptations uh, for the sport. Yeah, so I'm sure that you know all of your listeners are familiar with with soccer and how and how that works, and it's the same principle. You, you know, you, you're trying to score goals, um, and it's uh, football five aside. So there's there's five five players on each team. Um, all of the outfield players um, have to have a visual impairment, though so they're all B ones, which in Paralympic sport classification means blind, um, but they all still wear. Um, eye shades, like in goalball, um, just to ensure, because obviously, you know, there are there are variations of what blindness actually means. Um, so in, in order to ensure that, every, that there's a level playing field, everybody wears eye shades. Um, the goalkeepers can be sighted and generally are, and they also have guides at either end of the pitch um, who will kind of shout instructions at the players as the match goes on. Um, sort of indicating to them when they should shoot, for example, or during a penalty, you will often see the guides with, um, I've seen somebody with like a metal spoon 
using the metal spoon to bang on the goalposts. <laughs> yeah, to indicate where the the goalposts are so that the athlete can kind of, you know, hear and visualize in their mind where they need to shoot the ball. And they do that um, with amazing speed um, and accuracy. It's really incredible. And the other thing, I suppose, that's kind of unique about uh, blind football is that the athletes have to shout voy when they have the ball so that the other athletes, both on their team and who they're playing against, can kind of know where they are. Um, and the ball also has um, bells in it um, in the same way as goal ball, but the football is is the same um, shape and size as a, um, a sighted football. There's just bells in it. So, yeah, that's that's kind of football five in a, in a nutshell. Excellent. Okay, then uh, let's go ahead and move on to judo. I know, you know, there are many blind and visually impaired uh, judo competitors out there, and it's uh, it's definitely a popular, you know, Paralympic sport as well mm-hmm. uh, for visually impaired athletes. Mm-hmm. And if you could just give a kind of a preview what to to expect in terms of this year's Paralympics with judo. Sure. So judo is uh, the shortest Um, of our sports on the program it runs for three days there are 13 medal events Um, I think it's uh, seven men's and six women's medal events and there are 138 athletes it starts on the 27th of August and runs until the 29th and there's medals awarded on every single day and you have the on the first day you have from the, the women's up to 48, um, all the way through to the up to 52. So that's two medal events. And then the men's, you have the up to 60 and the up to 66 on the first day. And then it kind of goes on from there. The, the women go up to over 70s and the men go up to um, over 100. And... <clears throat> I was just having a look at the the kind of world rankings before this, before we started recording, just to kind of um, have a look at, um, to remind myself of the kind of main rivalries. And there's some really, really intriguing um, competitions that we can expect in Tokyo. One of my um, personal favorite athletes, and I know that I shouldn't really say that, but I do have this this guy, you know, I, I really... I really do like him. Um, in the men's up to 60, Alex Beloga um, from Romania. Now, Alex won bronze in Rio 2016 um, on his debut, which is already impressive enough. Um, but Alex is also completely blind. So in judo, you have B1 athletes, who are, I explained previously are completely blind. Um, and you have B2, who are slightly less less severely impaired and then you have b3s who are the least impaired but still you know have a significant enough impairment that affects their sports performance and the b1s and the b2s and the b3s all compete together in judo so they all compete against each other um alex is as i say a b1 and he's the world number one and he's pretty much um one of the best judoka in the world Um, His judo is absolutely beautiful. Everybody always says that um, about Alex's judo. Um, He's a fantastic athlete, fantastically committed, um, but also very softly spoken and unassuming. Um, You know, he's in in no way aggressive. Um, He really, really lives up to the 
the kind of motto of judo, which is, you know, judo means the gentle way in Japanese. Um, sure. And he's just fantastic. Um, he has a really good rivalry with um, Sherzod Namazov of Uzbekistan. Um, Sherzod is the Paralympic champion. Um, and since kind of missing out on, um, on a silver or a gold in Rio, Alex has propelled himself to the top of the world rankings and has... Um, you know, become European champion. He needs one at various Grand Prix. Um, and he's beat um, Sherzad Namazov a number of times. Um, so for the men's up to 60, I would say look out for um, Alex Bologa and uh, Sherzad Namazov. If they end up fighting each other in the draw, then they will. that will be a really, really good competition. In the men's up to 81, um, this one is less less of a rivalry, more of a kind of interesting angle. So there's a Mexican uh, judoka, Eduardo Avila Sanchez, who is known as the judo man in Mexico. Um, uh, he is very, very famous. He was um, he took part in a reality TV program in 2019 um, that was kind of like um, an Ironman type competition where, you know, they had to do like assault courses and various different challenges. And through that, he has become really, really famous. Um, so he's got a great story um, in the men's up to 81. And then in the men's up to 100, you've got um, Great Britain's Christopher Skelly, who is the world number one, and George's Zviad Gogachuri, who is the world number two. Um, you've also got in there um, Antonio Tenorio, who is uh, from Brazil. He's the world number three. He's a B1. He is um, judo's most decorated uh, Paralympian. Um, he's been competing uh, for many, many years. Um, and he's won um, a medal at every Paralympics, I think, since Athens 2004 or, or something crazy like that. And then Chris Skelly, who is from Great Britain, who missed out on a medal in, in Rio unexpectedly. So he'll be back to try to make amends for, for his performance five years ago and then his rivalry with George's Zviad Gogaturi again whenever those two get together on the mat it's always very very exciting and then in the women's um, in the up to 70 there's a re really great rivalry with Brazil's Alana Maldonado and again Mexico's Leneo Rulbacaba um, they uh, Alana is the world champion and Linnea is the Paralympic champion so back in 2018 at the World Championships, um, Linnea missed out on the uh, World Championships gold, didn't make it to the final even, and Alana then went on and won. And they kind of have a bit of a back and forth, you know, they exchange podium places constantly at competitions and things. Um, so that's a really lovely, um, lovely rivalry. And then in the over 70 for the women, so the heavyweights, um, you've got... Italy's Carolina Costa, who is the world number one, and China's Hong Yi Wang, who is the world number three. Both of those athletes have emerged since Rio. Um, they, I don't think either of them competed in Rio. They certainly didn't medal. Um, but since um, Carolina, uh, Hong Yi Wang has become the world champion, Carolina Costa has become the European champion. Um, and Carolina and Hong Yi faced each other in the final at the World Championships back in 2018. Um, and that was a really, really great fight, um, as, as the heavyweights always are. So, yeah, there's some really good um, rivalries and really good competition to look out for in the judo. That's just a few, really. Sure. I appreciate that. 
And I did want to mention uh, just a few other sports uh, in which, you know, there are medal events uh, for blind and visually impaired athletes. And uh, these include athletics, which is primarily track and field, uh, cycling, both road and track, swimming, and triathlon. And I did want to mention, uh, stay tuned for the next segment where I'll just review uh, some of the guests I've actually had on the podcast uh, that will be competing in the Paralympics and uh, just, just a few other notes about uh, how to watch, uh, you know, the, the events in terms of audio description and whatnot. So uh, again, we've been chatting with Lucy Domini of uh, the International Blind Sports Federation. And Lucy, thank you so much for your insight. Thank you so much for your time. No problem at all, Greg. All right. So in this segment of the podcast, I just wanted to mention a few guests we've had on Ice Free Sports who will be competing in the Paralympic Games this year. So first off, Lex Gillette, highly accomplished uh, long jumper, track and field athlete, will be competing in his fifth Paralympic Games. And he and his guide, Wesley Williams, will be competing on Friday, August 27th. And uh, we featured Lex on episode 16 of Eyes Free Sports. In addition, Kyle Kuhn, a blind paratriathlete, uh, is actually making his Paralympic Games debut, and he and his guide Andy Potts are competing on Saturday, August 28th. And we featured Kyle here on Eyes Free Sports on episodes 3 and 4. Finally, Tyler Marin of the USA Men's Goalball Team is competing in his fourth Paralympics. And Tyler uh, was featured on episodes 18 and 19 of our podcast. Finally, just a few other notes to wrap up here. I did want to mention that NBC has significantly expanded its audio description of the Paralympic Games. So all of the prime time programming on NBC, in addition to events outside of prime time programming, uh, will include audio description this year for the Paralympic Games. So very excited about that news. And finally, the accessibility of NBCOlympics.com as well as the NBC Sports app uh, has been improved quite a bit in terms of color contrast, keyboard shortcuts, and screen reader use. Uh, so once again, providing more access easier access to all viewers and fans of the Paralympic Games this year. So again, best of luck to all of the Paralympians out there, and I certainly have a special place in my heart for the blind and visually impaired athletes, and uh, we certainly wish all of you amazing success in the Paralympics, and we look forward to recapping the Summer Paralympic Games uh, when they do conclude here on Eyes Free Sports. So again, good luck and enjoy the Paralympics. Be sure to follow the Eyes Free Sports podcast at facebook.com slash eyesfreesports and on Twitter at eyesfreesports.com.